Have you ever come face to face with God? The Bible claims it is impossible to do so and live. Yet, I have come face to face with God's and am still alive. Very sick of the never-ending Chicago winter, we decided on a trip to sunny Florida. I had been to the state once previously way back in 1986 landing in the evening and taking off the following afternoon. It was a business trip some totaling less than 24 hours. The only thing I remember about that trip was seeing pelicans and an osprey on my way back to the airport. And, as I recall, it was rather humid. I am not a big fan of humidity. Heat is okay. Humid heat I find more than a little challenging bordering on unbearably oppressive. I met a gentleman from Florida when I visited Cambodia, one of the hottest and most humid experiences of my life, one that left me struggling so much that our tuk-tuk driver asked if I was okay while driving us home from temple hopping. I wasn't, really. The Floridian said he was used to the humid heat, a normal existence in his home state. That was enough to tell me I never ever wanted to settle down in Florida. Throw in the asshole DeSantis and his desire to appeal to society's least common denominator by marginalizing anyone not cisgender and white, and it is enough that I don't plan to ever visit there again. I just can't see spending my money to support discrimination on such a wide scale. One and done for me. This was another of our road trips chosen to escape Chicago's chill, to escape the Midwest in general, a landscape that does nothing to edify my weary soul. I enjoy driving long distances as long as the traffic is not heavy and the scenery interesting. We stayed in Calhoun, Georgia the first night, continuing on to Homosassa, Florida the following day. I'm surprised DeSantis and his motley crew haven't changed the name of the town because it begins with Homo. Who knows, the stupidity of him and his cronies may still enforce a name change in an effort to protect the children a euphemism to disguise blatant bigotry. The Homosassa Springs Cottage Our first stop was built around the manatee, a large, sea-loving mammal known for its placid demeanor and the need to eat 10% of its weight in food daily to stay svelte and healthy. The females grow up to 13 feet in length and can weigh more than 3,500 pounds. For those biggies, that entails consuming 350 pounds of seagrass each and every day. If I ate anywhere close to 10% of my weight daily, I would be a massive oompa loompa rolling, rolling, rolling along because I would be much too fat to walk under my own power. The manatee has the benefit of buoyant water which helps offset the effects of the gravity we land-based creatures navigate. We arrived at our Airbnb cottage the day before our early morning manatee swim. The cottage was nestled in trees, hidden around a corner, and absolutely lovely. It was listed as a tranquil waterfront cottage. And boy oh boy was it amazing. It was quaint, with one bedroom and a spacious living area for us and the dogs. The sliding back door opened to a patio and just beyond a crystal clear stream teeming with fish and overhanging trees unfamiliar to Midwest me and lively bird songs. My only regret about staying there is not packing fishing gear. Very few fish were big enough to make a meal but were big enough for some interesting catching before releasing back into the stream. Overall, I was not enamored with Florida. It was flat like the Midwest I so despise only hotter and without cursed snow and bitter cold. Still, I have absolutely no desire to return with the possible exception of another stay at this cottage including another swim with the manatees. Manatee Swim we arrived at the tail end of the peak manatee season when most had already ambled on to more favorable waters, waters with optimal temperatures, and succulent vegetation. That also meant fewer tourists for us to contend with. To tip the manatee sighting tables in our favor, they are most actively early, we opted for the first daily guided excursion requiring us to arrive at the shop by 6.15am. The early hour is fine for me but less so for my night owl partner but the night owl was up early and ready to go such as the connection of animals to the night owl's psyche, as long as the animals are not snakes. I, 
in contrast, am enthralled by those legless beings epically the venomous. We desired a more intimate tour, meaning not too many folks on the boat. We paid a bit more for the semi-private excursion. Semi-private meant a total of six guests whereas other boats we saw easily carried twice that many and more. A big group would mean lots more people vying for manatee encounters and pictures crowding out others. If possible, I would have opted for a completely private tour but that's not best for the tour guide and boat driver both of who are independent contractors. In our case, a very knowledgeable husband and wife team who had received great reviews online. They lived up to the billing. The excursion required a short video explaining the DOS and don't of manatee encounters. I believe it was government mandated. With the video done and a few more pointers from our guide, we donned our wet suits, my first time squeezing into one, before heading to the van for the short ride to the boat where we met the captain. He repeated some of the same spiel we heard previously. Repetition does tend to help ideas set route eliminating the plausible deniability excuse. It took some scouting around until we found Manatee's Prime for a swimming encounter. Unfortunately, we did not find them where the local university restored the original grasses that were long gone due to overuse and abuse. The newly planted grasses act as filters and have returned the water to its original crystal clarity. The manatees we swam with were further away in murkier waters. While snorkeling, there were times they were fairly close but hidden by the churning of the bottom muck as they fed like vacuum cleaners hoovering up the vegetation. At one moment we were in a cloud then suddenly there the massive animals appeared clear as day a few feet from our group. I was surprised on a few occasions. I was hoping to take a face-to-face -face picture with a manatee hanging motionless in the water like an angel suspended. Sadly, it never happened. For all I know, we could have been distanced properly only obscured by the cloudy water. The distance needed for that full-frame shot was simply not possible in the conditions. An excuse to return? It would be the only reason I can think of to return to Florida. The one time a huge manatee did bubble up in front of me, it was much too close to take a photo without violating the do-not-initiate-touch mandate. The manatee seemed oblivious to people. Twice they bumped me without deviating from their course. I imagine it felt no different to them than an insect does to me. The seeming obliviousness is not because they are stupid or unawares. Nope. It is because they have no predators nor do they prey on anything other than the gently swaying weeds and grasses. They are completely without the vocabulary of predation. As such, they come across as both kind and fearless. They have not evolved elaborate escape responses or aggressive tendencies. I liken them to the famous pacifists Gandhi and MLK, Jesus and Buddha. The apex predators, alligators, their more aggressive cousins the crocodiles, and sharks do not molest these magnificent pacifists. One would think 3,000 pounds of juicy flesh and a being that doesn't fight back would be enough enticement to tempt sharks serrated tooth or crocodiles piercing canines if not for an entire meal then for a snack here and there, the way buffalo grazes on any grasses during lean times. But no, neither view manatee as a menu option. One theory is the very thick hide of manatee, already present in newborns, would be a digestive nightmare driving avoidance. Better to have a grumbling stomach than suffer the consequences of teeth broken on thick flesh. Or so say the experts. An alternate theory. I have another theory, an alternate theory, a theory radical, probably blasphemous, to those hopelessly mired in constricting anthropomorphic understandings of God. The manatee are not prey because the non-human animals respect their gentleness and their warm responses to all other beings. Quite the opposite reaction of humans who will murder a passive, grazing elephant or a treed mountain lion, neither they will ever eat, simply for a trophy tusk or head to mount on a wall. Their ability to create a painting or other piece of art is minimal to non-existent so they address their deficits by reverting to destruction. I'm not anti-hunting. 
hunting for food is a tried and true method to propagate our species. It is more humane to take an animal that freely roams and propagates than it is to imprison them into little pens, pull their beaks, force-feed them pesticide-laden grains where they will suffer until future slaughter. Hunting only for a trophy shows the black void consuming empty souls. My theory, the animal kingdom recognizes the manatee for what it is. A deity exuding the characteristics of the feminine divine. A goddess that is gentle, respectful, seeks to do no harm, Christ in another of many earthly incarnations, completely opposite of the Republican Jesus mockery. Since it does no harm, the predators honor this sea goddess by not ripping bits of flesh for consumption. The scars found on the manatee people are mostly from boat propellers driving too fast in a manic quest to get somewhere. The predators abstain from their normal instinctive, deeply DNA-rooted proclivities in manatee presence. They do this because they recognize the goddess amongst them. Instead of consuming her flesh, they worship her by imbuing her pacifist characteristics while in her presence, unlike the self-acclaimed Jesus followers preferring to harm rather than following the Jesus example of living thy fellow neighbor no matter gender, country of origin, gender, etc. I know manatee is a goddess because felt the gentle power exuded by her being, the holy presence in her gentle demeanor, the beatific smile on her when we came face to face. Despite the Bible's admonition that one can't come face to face with God and live, I am living after twice coming face to face, nose to nose, flesh to flesh with God's living at opposite ends of the long, phallic-shaped state. First, it was the manatees in North Florida then, a few days later, in the countenance of an ancient mahogany tree, in the South. More than living, I am thriving. And that tells me the interpretation of seeing God and not living was not referring to physical death. The death implied is meant in a spiritual sense. When in their presence, I felt their overwhelming spiritual power, a power reaching into my very soul. I felt it from a distance and as a spiritual current when their flesh brushed against my flesh. The death I experienced was death to conceptions and preconceptions, a thorough denunciation of the God in a box concept's literal adherence to the holy book's claim is the only way to appease the Creator being because they refuse to think for themselves. Deeper reflection unearthed in me primordial knowledge, resurrected wisdom secreted in our DNA, that both manatee and mahogany tree were indeed manifestations of God on earth. And to this I say, Amen, Amin, Asalamu Alaikum, Sadu Sadu, Thathostu, so shall it be. July 6, 2021. Next up, Airboats and Gators, Florida No. 2.